Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning and dedicated to being in right relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in everyone. And so on, on uh, Sunday, I was going to say Christmas morning, not yet, Meg. <laughs> this is the first Sunday in Advent. Be patient, dear. <laughs> on Sunday mornings, we greet the divine in our midst by turning to one another and and welcoming them here this morning. And if you're watching on the live stream, please do greet one another in the comments. And if you're from far away, let us know where you're watching from. Our co-worship leader this morning is Reverend Lee Legault. It's the flame we hold, we hold in our, our hearts, hearts as, we as we strive for justice for everyone. everyone. This, this is, is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship this morning is attributed to Kalidasa. Look to this day, for it is the life, the very life of life. In its brief course lie all the verities and the realities of your existence, the bliss of growth, the glory of action, the splendor of beauty. For yesterday is but a dream, and tomorrow is only a vision. But today, well-lived, makes every yesterday a dream of happiness, and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Look well, therefore, to this day. This congregation wrote a mission statement for itself, which guides us as we make decisions about how to move into the future. We wrote it on the wall, and we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. We have a moment for Beloved Community every Sunday morning where we learn something about our culture that makes sure that white people end up on top of the pile. Uh, We call it white supremacy culture. And um, today I want to do a reprise of something that I've already told you about because I want us to understand why three men in Brunswick, Georgia felt like police officers and felt like they could chase down a person that they felt like had done a crime until they chased him, trapped him, and killed him. Um, They did this because their grandfathers and their grandfathers' grandfathers had been allowed to do this, and they were almost allowed to do it themselves. During the 1860s, there were what we called slave patrols. And every young white male between the ages of 16 and 25 were conscripted into the slave patrols and were tasked with stopping black folks on the street and making sure that they had the correct papers with them, making sure that they were either free or enslaved. And if they were enslaved, that they were on a mission for their 
masters. So that feeling of being entitled to stop a person of color and ask them what they were doing and whether they were justified in doing it has lasted really until Donald Trump felt entitled to ask the President of the United States for his papers. This does not just come up out of the blue. This is deep in the DNA of our country that end, that started with the slave patrols. Now, the slave patrols technically ended in 1865, but then after that, um, as a reaction against um, the way that the Union was trying to run things, Reconstruction, um, the KKK rose, the party of politicians called the Redeemers rose, and what they did as Democrats was to try to undo democracy and voting rights in the South, and they were pretty nearly successful until the Federals came in in the 20s and busted up the Klan. So people have this deep in their memories that if you're white, you're entitled to stop a black person and ask what they're doing and make sure that if you feel like a policeman, you can act like a policeman. Good morning. This week we celebrated Thanksgiving and we may have practiced giving thanks. Practicing gratitude and giving thanks is something we can do every week of the year and it's something that can be really useful for refocusing our thoughts. This book we're gonna, I'm going to read you today shares how simple it can be to find a gratitude practice. Look and Be Grateful by Tommy DePaola. Open your eyes and look. Open your eyes and see and say thank you. For today is today. Be grateful for everything you see. Have gratitude. Today is today and it is a gift. So be grateful. Our reading today is from Philippians Chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Please join me in an attitude of prayer and meditation where we speak or listen to God as we understand God, or where we listen to the wisdom that's deep within us, or where we just follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Let us enter into what Ralph Waldo Emerson called the wise silence together.
You know how when you're driving, if you're not a really experienced driver, you notice something on the side of the road, and when you look at it, your car goes toward that thing, and you have to learn not to do that. So I'm going to talk about how your mind does the same thing. Your whole mind goes toward what you pay attention to. This is the eighth part of the Eightfold Path, which is called Right Concentration. And last time we talked about this, we talked about Right Mindfulness. And we talked about how I had discovered that I had been doing mindfulness, even though I thought I was terrible at mindfulness, just by orienting myself, by noticing the things around me. And we talked about the five S's of self-orientation, where you um, look, like the book said that Kelly just read, you look and see what you're seeing, and you notice all the way what you're seeing. And then you notice what your stance is. Can you feel your feet on the ground? Can you feel your connection to the earth? Then you look up and look at the sky so that you can notice the sky because sometimes people don't look up. And we miss almost half of what there is to see that way. Then you look, you feel what you're sensing. So are you tasting anything? Are you smelling anything? And the last of the five S's is sound. What are you hearing? And this is a way, uh, mindfulness is a way to open yourself so that your mind can really see the reality of what's going on. So we talked about slowing down your thoughts so that you can really be in a sacred moment whenever you want to, just by seeing what you're seeing, what you're smelling, what you're tasting what the sky looks like. This is one way of quieting what the Buddhists call a monkey mind, what I call a litter of puppies mind, because I'm scared of monkeys. I can hardly go to the Lake Line Alamo Cinema because they have these big statues of apes in there. So it's a way of calming down your litter of puppies' mind and keeping your thoughts from crawling all over each other and tumbling around and getting their bellies in the food bowl and all that happens. And you know what that feels like. So how is right concentration different from right mindfulness? Well, if right mindfulness is opening yourself, then right concentration is taking your mind and focusing it on nothing. So you, sometimes you meditate by focusing on something, like your breath. But right concentration is very advanced, and I'm not going to teach it this morning because, to me, it feels so aspirational that only a saint or a holy person could do it. Because listen to this. There are four stages 
of right concentration. In the very first one, you're detached from sense desires, detached from the unwholesome states. You enter and remain in a level of concentration where there is applied and sustained thinking together with joy and pleasure that comes from detachment. And then in the second stage, you undo the applied thinking, and the joy and pleasure stays, but you're not thinking about anything, and you're in this state of concentrating on no thing. And then in the third stage, the joy fades, And you remain with your equanimity, your mindfulness, your awareness, and in the pleasure of being detached. And then in the last phase, even the pleasure of being detached fades. And you're just in this complete focus on no thing. Okay, so I'm never going to get there. And I'm not a Buddhist teacher. I'm a middle-class white lady who's a Unitarian Universalist. And I'm teaching about the Eightfold Path, but this last one is so hard, I'm just going to talk to you about what it reminds me of. (laughs) Which is not really fair, and it would make any Buddhist teacher pull his or her hair out. And I apologize, especially if any Buddhist, actual Buddhists are watching on the live stream or are in here. I'm so sorry. I'm doing my best. So, um, I think it would be good to talk about what one of my spiritual teachers, whose name is Wendy Palmer, says, and that is that energy follows attention. So what you do concentrate on, if you can't concentrate on no thing, you concentrate on something, everybody fills their mind with stuff. And sometimes you can get disciplined enough to be thinking about one thing. And whatever you think about, whatever you notice, whatever you pay attention to, you pay out attention and you get what you pay for, is what she says. So what I want you to notice today is um, the habits that you're into of where your attention goes. I was talking to my beautiful friend, Pat Job about this some years ago, and I said something about your habits of attention, and he thought I said your rabbits of attention. (laughs) And so I'm going to talk about your rabbits of attention sometimes instead of habits. It's just something that my mind does when I'm talking about habits of attention. Um, Some people love finding what's right about a situation. So... You go out to dinner, and the food is mediocre, but they they get back in the car at the end, and they go, well, at least the rolls were really good. (laughs) And anybody who's their friend can make a mistake, do something wrong, and they go, yeah, but they have a good heart. They're a good-hearted person. And I think there are other people who have the opposite wiring, where they notice everything that's bad about a situation. Those are nature's systems analysts. (laughs) So they'll they'll come into your house after a year and they'll go, that spot didn't used to be on the couch. (laughs) What is that? 
or you'll go to dinner and they'll go, it was, that soup was oversalted. Or a friend will make a mistake and do something wrong and they will hang on to it. It says if they got stung by a bee and they didn't scratch the stinger out, they just left the stinger in so it kept pumping poison into their skin. It depends on your habits of attention. And it's so easy. I don't know why. Human nature. It's so easy to be one of those people who just notices the wrong things. But the reading that Reverend Lee read from Philippians says, whatever you think about, that's what your mind is going to be full of. So if you notice the good things, then your mind is full of the good things. And if you notice the bad things or the wrong things, your mind is just full of splotchiness and saltiness and overdone meat and all the bad things that somebody said by accident. Does this mean you should ignore the bad things that people do? No. Does it mean you should ignore when something's going wrong with your house or when something's going wrong with your partner? No. It's just what is your default? What is your go-to? What do you automatically pay attention to? That's the kind of thing that will fill up your mind. And so if your mind is full of crud and slosh, it might be good to disrupt your habits of attention so that you can maybe notice what those habits are. Does that make sense? For example, on Friday, uh, my wife and I went to the Texas Renaissance Fair. And I had never been to a Renaissance Fair before, even though I know that's where my people are. And um, so I was enjoying my people, um, but I'm in a chair. And they had assured me that it was uh, accessible. And so when um, able-bodied people assure you that someplace is accessible, you have a little suspicion that they may not understand the whole situation. But it was technically accessible. So I'm in there and I'm rolling around, but there are crowds, crowds, crowds. It's the day after Thanksgiving. And um, all the shops that I would have loved to have been traipsing in and out of, you can't traipse when you're in a chair. And so all the, all the shops had a step that was this high, which means to person in a chair, you can't come in here. And so that was okay. But there were also piles of sand and big rocks and piles of um, slippery leaves and pine needles. And so my chair kept getting thrown. You know, I would try to go forward, but it would get thrown over here, and I would almost hit a person. I'd be like, sorry, sorry. And the people who are looking to try not to run over other people, they're looking this way. They're not looking this way. So they don't see me. The children see me because we're eye to eye. And they try not to run over me, and I try not to run over them. But it's pretty stressful. And so I'm thinking, um, I could tell a story of going to the Renaissance Fair, and it'd be awful. Or I could remember the good things about it, which were many. The costumes of the people were incredible. We had a friend who makes brooms, who runs a broom shop, and we got to hang out at the broom shop and 
watch people buy brooms for Christmas. And the whole place smelled really good. And I love good smells. It smelled like pine needles, and it smelled like incense, and it smelled like um, turkey legs cooking. (laughs) And so I think I'm going to tell the story that we had fun at the Renaissance Fair, and that's that'll make my yesterdays more pleasant. Um, But also... You don't have to just think about whether your habits of attention are to look at what's right or what's wrong. I'm going to go all non-binary on you right now. (laughs) Because you can shift your habits of attention so that you're looking instead for what's true in a situation. Just decide, today I'm going to look for what's true. Or today I'm going to follow Mr. Rogers' mom's... Advice and look for the helpers in a disaster situation. That's what I'm going to focus my attention on, the helpers. You can decide to focus on anything in your day and just kind of disrupt your normal habits of attention. So when you, when you notice them taking hold, you can say, instead of looking for what's wrong in this situation, what's uncomfortable in this situation, what's offensive in this situation, I'm going to have grace. I'm going to make my heart full of grace. And I'm just going to notice what's red. I'm just going to notice all the red things today. Really, that makes for a fun day. (laughs) Because there are lots of beautiful red things. If you choose yellow, really, you're going to have a good time. Because yellow flowers in Texas in the fall are amazing. So you can just disrupt your habits of attention by deciding to practice another way. Um... If you are in the habit of complaining to your partner at night, um, you know, you lie down and go, my back hurts, my toe hurts, my ear hurts. I can't believe what she said to me on the phone. I can't believe that email I got. Maybe you could think of three things that happened well or that things that you liked instead to think about at the end of the day. Your habits of attention. What do you remember about an experience And so I think maybe today I'm going to focus on good smells and just what smells I find that are good. And that'll be something I can use to disrupt those old rabbits of attention. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts. Until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. 
For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.